Hello and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson and I am joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our beat writer, Heat beat writer here at the Miami Herald. Anthony, what is going on? I say beat writer instead of Heat beat writer because you're also the Nigeria beat writer as we discussed. <laughs> basketball. Basketball. I'd say writer. Yeah. You're, you're, you're busy with all kinds of basketball right now. I'm a global MB- a global basketball writer, yeah. That's pretty exactly. much my, my title. Um, the NBA season's finally over. How about that? I know. It, it feels like the Heat season ended like a year ago. I know. But it's crazy how long the playoffs are. But, yeah, this season, this marathon of a season, crazy, unique season is finally over. It's funny because the Heat season feels like it ended like a year ago. But uh, <laughs> also the the last finals feel like they just happened. Like the, yeah, the Heat sure Lakers yeah. final. That's, that's, a, that's a very good point. It does feel like... It's just all blended into one, right? Yeah. Which is like, yeah. we've, we've talked about this a million times, but like, yeah. Um, I mean, they were nine months ago. It's pretty crazy yeah. when you think about it, so time flies. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's start with the NBA. We'll obviously dive into some Olympic stuff um, at the, in the second half here uh, as we get ready for uh, some games that started this weekend. Uh, our plan is to have Tim Reynolds on uh, from the Associated Press next week, who is in Tokyo. Is he there now, I guess, probably, right? I think I, most I, of the Tokyo people, have, like, just from all outlets have kind of – I know, like, people were saying they were going to miss Game 7, so I assume he's either uh, there now or, or on a route as we speak. Yeah, I believe he either left today or leaves tomorrow. But yeah. today seems more likely because tomorrow's cutting it close, um, yeah. especially with the, with the opening ceremony. On Friday, so I, I he's 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 not, I don't think he's there yet, but he's he's either on his way or about to leave. Yeah, so we'll we'll dive into Olympics in the second half, and we'll we'll have hopefully uh, some uh, boots on the ground coverage there over the next couple of weeks too. Uh, but let's start with the finals. Um, Bucks finish it off last night in six. Um, I think we got to start with Giannis because this is uh, <laughs> how many times on this podcast have we talked about the Heat's Giannis plan. Like, it's got to be one of the most common topics on, on this show. Um, I got to say, I don't think he's coming to the Heat. Yeah, I don't know if he's ever going to leave Milwaukee, actually, at this point. <laughs> when, I, when, I saw, when I saw the Bucks win the championship, I was like, he's never leaving. I mean, and, and never is a long time, so maybe he leaves later in his career, you know, as an older veteran, but he's not leaving anytime soon after winning a championship in Milwaukee. Um, you know, it's, it's, that was his city, and, even, and now, after bringing a title there, um, he's forever like a legend in that city. Um, so yeah, that that 2021 plan was already pretty much dead when he signed his extension this past off season. Uh, but now it is uh definitely definitely dead after he won a championship. And you know it's it's funny because I was thinking about the beginning of this playoff run, watching him play, watching him miss free throws. Um, even in that Brooklyn series, there were times where you're like he didn't really his offensive game didn't look sharp. He looked like he still had a lot of holes in his game. I remember texting somebody. I was like, he has a, he still has a lot of holes in his game, even though he's so dominant. Like, and he can take over a game. It's crazy how many holes he has in his offensive game. And he just got no bad switch. He, he just flipped the switch in the like in the conference finals and in the finals. Like, he just stopped taking threes. He he just relentlessly attacked the paint. Um, and he turned into a kind of you know an even better player than he already was. And he was just dominant, like a classic finals performance, one of the best I've ever seen, controlled the games on both ends, both ends of the court. Um, and he was remarkable. He he, he really w- cemented his 
his spot as one of really, I know he's still young, but an all-time great after this performance in the finals. Yeah, he um, he he kind of learned who he was, I feel like, in the playoffs, right? Yeah. And that, that's like what's supposed to happen as you get deeper in. I mean, um, it happens with every star, right? Like usually you have, it's very rare that, you know, basically like Dwayne Wade is like the one exception. And obviously he was playing with Shaq of a guy who like, the first run he made basically like was the the title. Like, I mean, LeBron obviously was well documented. Michael Jordan was well, very well documented uh, in the Last Dance last year. You know, it, it takes some time. It takes, you know, what, what, that was a big focus of the Last Dance, right? That Michael Jordan for years didn't trust his teammates, learned to trust his teammates. Who knows? Like, I don't. I wasn't alive for a lot of the early part of that, so I don't know how much of that it was just like myth making and stuff. But the, but that's. There's a reason it's a narrative, and it's because it's true, right? Just a general narrative. The guys get to the playoffs, they learn how to win, and then they, they put that into action. And with Giannis, um, who obviously is – I tweeted last night, just like one of the coolest sports stories ever and should be treated as such. Like this dude was uh, – I mean, they, they were doing a good job on, on uh, ESPN and, and – NBA TV last night of kind of showing like the early stages of Giannis's career and like how like how like baby face he was and you know, just like that like he was like a long limbed baby deer or something and did he really grow uh, like five inches like is that really- yeah like that they did they did a great job documenting all that and obviously showing some of those Greek um you know Greek league highlights. I don't even know what like if that was Greek first division or what it was, but they did such a good job of documenting all that. But but it's obviously beyond that. They got you know growing up on the streets in Greek Greece, basically, you know, uh, being like a, a street salesman as a as a child, and you know he just has not been playing basketball a very long time, especially compared to his peers. Um, and I don't. He learned in the playoffs. He's a center, right? Like that. That's what happened. He. I mean, I remember. Early in his career, I think it was Jason when Jason Kidd was coaching him, and they kind of made him a point guard. Um, and now he's a center, and he figured out, like you said, he stopped shooting threes. Um, it's a reminder that people can change. Players can change, right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like these days we just think of players, who he is, you know, in, in this age of Twitter and social media, and we just label them as, as such. Uh, but, yeah, I think Giannis definitely – discovered something and, and is that style of play sustainable uh, over an entire regular season taking that physical toll game after game where you're just driving inside and getting fouled I, I don't know but man when just to know that he could do that whenever he wants yeah whenever he wants to turn it on um that's great for him and that's that's obviously a, a step a huge step forward um and it's just it's a reminder that as much you know threes are important and I'm not gonna you know I, I'm into analytics so I, I'm not gonna say criticize analytics and, you know, the modern-day conversation around basketball these days. But it's a reminder that you don't have to make threes to really dominate a game. Like Neither neither of the teams shot very well from three in the series. Yeah, and, I mean, he made three threes in the finals. He shot three or 15, and he put together one of the best finals performances ever. Um, I don't know if that's, like, encouraging for Ben Simmons fans, against Ben Simmons fans, where, you know, Benson, they always talk about Benson was not being able to shoot. Uh, you know, this is a reminder that you don't have to really be a great outside shooter to control a game. Jimmy's done it before, but Giannis was just took it to another level where he was just driving to the basket every time. There really weren't even many mid-range shots. And then in the final game, he just decided to become Steph Curry from the free-throw line yeah. and make every free-throw, which was 
I mean, that was pretty much a difference in the game, probably, because if he shoots his normal average, they probably the Bucks probably lose Game Six, and this might be going to a Game Seven. Yeah, the free throw thing is funny because he's not. I mean, he's been a terrible free throw shooter in the postseason, but he's actually like historically, a, you know, not a great free throw shooter, but like for a center, he's good. Like he wasn't. He didn't seem totally lost like he did for most of the playoffs. So um, it was it was nice to see him get that yeah. get it together for for the final game there. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, like the three point thing, and and again, like the the war the Curry Clay Warriors like is the most fun I've probably ever had watching basketball, particularly the pre-KD era, just like the way that those guys, you know, because neither of us are particularly big guys. I was a shooter growing up. Like, I appreciated seeing, like, the the importance of the three-point shot. But as you mentioned, like, last year the finals was Lakers versus Heat. And the four best players on the floor in that game are, for like, you know, obviously LeBron and AD are pretty good shooters, but for the most part, not three-point shooters. Obviously, in this finals, Giannis was by far the best player on the court. Not really a three-point shooter. Uh, even Devin Booker, who is a pretty solid three-point shooter, was obviously getting done mostly with the mid-range. Like, the, it's not about the three-point shot, right? It's about efficiency. And for a while there, the the Warriors were the mark of efficiency by being the, the three-point shooting team. Um, and obviously the, then the, the Rockets were kind of like copying them to an extent and taking it to an extreme. But for the most part, uh, you can be efficient without shooting threes. And, and that's, I think that's one of the big lessons from the playoffs, actually, um, where, you know, we'll see next year when the Warriors are back to full strength. Like, they might be the best team in the league next year. Like, that wouldn't be surprising. And they, they'll, they'll do it with three-point shooting. But for the most part, um, in this postseason, teams are winning – not with the three. The three has become, in a lot of ways, like the weapon for the mediocre to bad team to yeah. equalize things with a with a good team. Um, and for the good teams, it is just has to be part of the arsenal. But we, I think we've seen in the last two, three years, really, like it doesn't have to be the whole arsenal. Um, yeah. And obviously that that bodes well for the Heat, as we've talked about a lot, as, as a team that. It's for them, you know. It's, we don't know what's going to happen with Duncan, but for them, with like guys like Duncan and Tyler, like it's, it's part of the arsenal, but it's certainly not the whole arsenal. Yeah, and it's just about, I think, a reminder of just you just have to leverage your strengths. You know, you can't be something you're not. You can't try to be the Warriors. I think a lot of teams after that Warriors run are just trying to be Golden State, kind of, and just trying to copy their formula. And you're not going to do that when you don't have Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Kevin Durant, like. There's a reason they were able to do that. Not every team can can play that way, and I, I think this is this past few years, and especially this year with the Bucks, it's just about lever, you know leveraging your strengths, playing to your Jesus forward identity, and you know I, I think Giannis did that in the final, definitely the last month or so. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't shoot five threes a game because teams were giving it to him. He he didn't fall into that trap. Um, you know he was getting he's getting to the basket and getting fouled or, or getting a dunk or a layup. So, um, I mean that's really and even Chris Middleton. I mean. Milton's a good three-point shooter, but defenses are giving up mid-range shots now because that's seen as an inefficient shot. And he took them, and he made them because he's a good mid-range shooter. So if you're a good mid-range shooter, you take you take what the defense gives you. So I, I just think this this whole Bucks run has been a reminder of, of that. Where just be who you are. Don't try to don't try to copy another team's formula because in the end, that's not going to work. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, you, you, obviously, we saw it with the Heat last year with with Jimmy. It's in the mid range. Like, if you if it's a if it's, if 
you are good at it, it can be efficient. And yeah. that, that's, I think, the, the going to be, the, in a lot of ways, the biggest takeaway. One of my favorite things to think about after the finals is you know, the NBA, people like talk about, I feel like the NFL gets a reputation as the copycat league, right? Like it's kind of the cliche that they throw out on like NFL Live or whatever. But to me, the NBA is the real copycat league where a team For wins sure, a championship yeah. and everyone is trying to say, how do they win a championship? What can we do to be like them? Um, Get Giannis. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Uh, I'm not sure what the takeaway is with this Bucks one other than uh, I think the Heat had the right plan in trying to acquire Giannis. Yeah, that's probably the, that's probably the way you, you copy the Bucks formula. Try to get Giannis. Try to steal yeah. Giannis. Dra- draft draft a, a tall, inexperienced Greek fella in, outside the lottery um, and hope he becomes uh, one of the ten, five or ten greatest players of this generation. I'll say one one more common thread that I've I've noticed in this playoff run, and, and it's nothing new because, as they say, defense wins championships. But Milwaukee was the best defensive team in the playoffs. They weren't necessarily great in the regular season in the playoffs, uh, in the regular season on, on defense. I think they were like – they might have been top 10 or right outside the top 10, so they were fine. They were above average, but they weren't great. But in the playoffs, they turned it up, and, and they were the top de- top defensive team. And that was their strength. I mean, offensively, I think they were like – they were 11th in the playoffs, so 11 out of 16 teams, which isn't great. But they won behind their defense. They were elite defensively, and that still wins games. Like in a in a league where you know points sells and and offense is exciting to watch, like defense still wins, um, and is probably the most sustainable uh, aspect of a team's game most times. So uh, I, that's another takeaway I have from the Bucks run, just the way they they defended, um, and the fact that. Really, the regular season means nothing because they had a worse regular season this year than they did the past two or three years, yeah. and they ended up winning the championship. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Yeah, the regular season it has become and, and has been for a few years about, like, figuring things out. And yeah. um, obviously the Bucks this year were working in Drew Holiday and, um, you know, a couple other new – like Bobby Portis taking on a big role. Um, but, yeah, they, they used the regular season to learn – I think the Heat were hoping they did that this year, and it obviously did not turn out that way. Um, so how do you feel about the, the Heat now, uh, the Heat and the Panthers? Yeah. The two most recent champions can can take some solace in losing their uh, – getting eliminated by the eventual champions. How do you feel about that with the Heat? I mean, you got to take some solace out of that. The only, the only thing I would say the, is – The sweep is – uh, it makes it and, tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the sweep makes it tough. Losing by double digits, I think, like in three of the four games <laughs> makes it tough. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's better than losing to a team that got bounced in the second round, right? Yeah. But it is interesting. Like, I was thinking about it yesterday, and a lot of people were making this point on Twitter. If Kevin Durant's foot size is, like, half a size smaller, the Bucks are out in the second round. Right. And, but it's probably fired, and the whole narrative is just totally different. And we've just, we've spoken about this for the past couple of weeks, just how thin the margin for error is in this league, especially in the playoffs um, between the top teams in, in each conference. Like it's so slim, and we could be having a totally different conversation right now about Brooklyn winning the championship, uh, but instead, you know, that's a two pointer from from Kevin Durant. His foot is just slightly on the line. And Bud has job security for years. Giannis probably will never leave Milwaukee, and just things are totally different than, than they would have been otherwise. Yeah, one of the, the last question we have uh, written on our outline here about the the finals is, what does the Heat need to do to catch up to the Bucks <laughs> at this point? And obviously, that's that's one one team they're chasing. But like, 
I, don't, I haven't seen what the odds look, are for next year. I'm sure they're out already. Um, I would guess that the Bucks are not the fi- favorite in the East. I, I would think the Nets are. Um, so it's it's a, a a tough spot for the Heat to be in because when we talked about it a lot this year, just the East is uh, a lot better right now than it was two years ago because of the Nets and and really like even three years ago, like when Giannis was still kind of learning who he was. Um, so it's going to be. Uh, an uphill climb for Miami, and, and obviously we'll see we'll see where the Hawks are next year. You know, I, I think the Heat are still in the same stratosphere as them, even though um, they obviously went to the conference finals. Um, we'll see what the Sixers look like. We'll see where Damian Lillard winds up. But um, you know, now that the Heat, assuming Giannis, like this is just who he's going to be now. And as you mentioned, like he wasn't this for the whole playoff run, which is what's incredible. Um, but if this is what Giannis is going to be now, and then you've got the Nets lingering out there, the the, the East is the top of the East is is really good and as good as it has been um, since I don't even know when. Like, yeah, like the the Bulls and the Pistons. Like the, I can't remember a time the East has had two like potential juggernauts like that. Yeah, even when LeBron was with the Heat, like. It was yeah, the I, mean, heat, I guess Spacers. the Heat and Celtics. I guess Heat and Celtics. Yeah, Heat and Celtics. I guess the uh, the very or, or Cavs and Celtics when yeah. when the Celtics like were, you know, because by the time LeBron got to They're Miami, right. the Celtics were a little older. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and but I I, I want to ask you this question, David. Do, do would you agree that there are only two teams in the East right now that are clearly better than the Heat? Would you? I mean, is that fair to say? Well, yeah. Let Let's say that going into next year will clearly be like that I clearly going into next year that I feel clearly feel are better than the Heat. Yeah, I would say only two. Because like it's hard to say the Heat were better than the Sixers this year or whatever, right? But right. um we don't know what the Sixers are gonna look like and um, you know, it's always a mess there, it feels like and even like it's hard to say right now that they're clearly better than the Hawks when you know the Hawks went to the conference For finals. Sure. But but again, going into next year, like I would guess the Heat are the best team in the uh, the Southeast Division. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would say they're – I'm not saying they're the third best team in the East, but there's – I agree. They're in that conversation. There's only two teams that I think are clearly ahead of them right now. Um, it's going to be tough to catch up to those two teams, I think. But, um, I mean, we saw them beat the Bucks, like you said, nine months ago or whatever. So, uh, like, it, it, it's kind of crazy how, how it flipped there and, and obviously, like, I think there's going to be a lot of detractors because, as you mentioned, like, you know, the weird season and, as you mentioned, the the Kevin Durant uh, foot on the line and obviously all the Nets injuries. But, you know, that, that's how the playoffs work, right? You need a couple breaks. It, yeah. If you uh, if you put an asterisk on every championship that had, uh, had someone get hurt or some weird play, there'd be an asterisk on every championship. Um, and this one is, is unusual because the asterisk happened <laughs> – uh, in the second round, and it was like the the difference between the Bucks going out uh, after ten games in the playoffs and winning the championship was, like you said, a really thin margin. Um, but the the East is going to be really competitive, and the Nets are the I think going to be the favorites, and they should be. But uh, yeah, the Bucks obviously like earned some respect this year, and again, they're just they were just a better team in the last two rounds than they were in the first two rounds, I think. Which 
you know, if they played the Nets again, I still think the Nets would win if they were at full strength. But, um, you know, that, that series looked like it was headed towards a, a blowout in the first couple games. And I, I don't think that is the case anymore. Because, as, we, as you mentioned, like Giannis is, he figured out who, who he is. Um, and he can be, you know, <laughs> we, we, we've joked about like Giannis is never going to win another MVP again. He could win another MVP now. Yeah. He, he basically turned into Shaq in that yeah. series. Like, it, that's basically what he turned into. Um, yeah, I know it's like uh, health is a skill, I think. You know, some people say it's like, I think health in the NBA is a skill. And honestly, the Bucks were pretty much healthy all season. So they deserve credit for that. And that's one of the big reasons they won the championship. You know, I, yeah. I truly believe that if, not to discredit the Bucks, but I think most people would agree with this. If, if, the, if Brooklyn is fully healthy, they probably win that series. You know, if, they, if Kyrie and James Harden are healthy. Um, but they weren't, and they weren't healthy pretty much all season. They were dealing with injuries all year. The Bucks stayed healthy, and, and that paid off in the end. So um, credit to the Bucks. They, they des- you know, they obviously deserve the title. All right, let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll come back with some uh, Olympic stock. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we are back. Uh, Anthony, are you excited for that uh, 4.20 a.m. alarm on Sunday for Nigeria, Australia? Yeah, so excited. (laughs) Um, Yeah, this is going to be interesting. I I don't know if I'm going to get up for that. I have no idea yet. I guess I'll play it by ear. But yeah, the Olympics is always. I, I remember growing up just watching Team USA, like when the when the Olympics were, in I think in Greece, I believe. Um, Two thousand four, I think was Greece. Yeah. So yeah, that makes sense. Waking up at five a.m. to watch Team USA play, so it's it's exciting to kind of get up and watch basketball and and eat breakfast watching basketball. Like it's always different and kind of a treat. But yeah, those four a.m. wake up calls aren't great. Yeah, 4 a.m. is tough. As, uh, as we are recording now, the USA women's soccer team played at 4 a.m. this morning and, and lost 3 nothing to Sweden. So uh, I, I knew that we were going to be on a weird uh, time schedule for the Olympics. Um, I, I don't think I quite processed that there were going to be a lot of, like, 4 a.m. events that I was going to be interested in. Um, but but here we are. I guess so. so Japan is basically, like, on the exact opposite schedule. Though. So it seems like most – Days like there, there's gonna be a lot of stuff at 8 p.m., which is nice. Um, I don't know what, what basketball schedule, full schedule looks like, but like there, the the day over there, it seems like it's gonna basically start at 8 p.m. or 8 at yeah. 8 p.m. our time is the start of the day their time, and then the day seems to kind of end around like 10 a.m. our time because the men the the men's basketball team on Sunday plays at 8 a.m., so I think that's basically the end of the day over there. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I love the Olympics, so I'm, I'm not going to wake up at 4.20 a.m. to watch Nigeria play Australia. Yeah, I don't uh, think I will either, honestly. But I'm going to wake <laughs> up. I'm going to make sure I'm up at 8 a.m. to watch the, the men's team yeah, play. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, I think last yesterday, um, Team USA had their first availability from Japan, and the interviews were at 3.30 in the morning. I have to imagine that not many 
writers <laughs> in the United States were on that Zoom call. But who knows? Maybe after the Bucks in the championship, some people stayed up. But yeah, the availability, all that stuff, like, yeah, that, that's just, we're not going to be in those Zoom calls, many of those Zoom calls anymore because they're going to be in the middle of the night when we're all sleeping. Yeah. I guess they, like, I assume after that 8 a.m. game, it'll be Zoom, right? Like 10, yeah, 30 or yeah. whatever. So, so. Yeah, the practice, the practice ones will be tough. But yeah, the game ones, you know, for most of them should be fine. I think Team USA does have, they have like a 12.40 a.m. game. They have two, yeah, they have one 12.40 a.m. game, and like they have a bunch of 8 a.m. games. So 8 a.m. is definitely doable. Yeah. I, I don't have a lot uh, of takes right now on Nigeria. Obviously, the three Heat guys made the team, yeah. um, which we expected. Uh, we obviously talked a lot about them last week. I'm sure we will talk about a lot about them moving forward. I assume these replays will be readily available because the Olympics is usually good about that. Um, so, so maybe we'll, we'll catch this uh, Nigeria-Australia game on a rerun. I think it's going to be a really good um, kind of test case of where this Nigeria team is at. Um, I, I listened to Mike Brown interviewed on, on Zach Lowe's podcast this week. It was pretty interesting talking about, like, the just how this team came together. Obviously, you know, as a lot of people know, it's a lot of American-born guys with Nigerian heritage. Um, and then – kind of like the the long-term expectations for Nigeria. And they're definitely going in thinking they're going to medal or thinking they have a chance to medal, and, and um, that would go a long way for the development of that program. Uh, so I think it's going to potentially, like, turn into a pretty cool big story, and obviously three Heat guys are going to be uh, right in the center of it. Um, I don't know, do you have any Nigeria takes before the Olympics start, or, or are we just waiting until after they get into some real – uh, game action. I have I have faith in them. I'll, I'll say that. I, I don't think the uh, I don't think beating Team USA was just like a a weird aberration. Like I, obviously, if they played Team USA again, I would get Team USA is going to beat them. But I think it's a sign that they're yeah, going to be a, a legit contender in in Tokyo. Yeah, they, I mean, I think they should at least make it out of the group stage. I mean, in their group is Australia, who's might be the second best team in the world, honestly, just by watching them play. I, I don't know. I haven't seen every team play, but Australia is really good. Um, then Germany and Italy, and then Nigeria. So I would think Nigeria can get out of that as a second team. Um, but I guess we'll see. But I, I would expect, you know, if they don't make it out of that group, then that'll be a pretty big disappointment for them. And we will get a chance to watch Nigeria play. They play. They have a 9 p.m. game uh, on Tuesday, so against Germany. So that's yeah, I was going to say, there, I guess there's going to be basketball, late-night basketball, too, because, like I said, there's I'm sure there's nine. I don't know if 9 p.m. here is exactly 9 a.m. there. but It's, it's like a 13-hour difference, there. I think. So I think okay, it'll be so it's 10 like 10 a.m. 10 a.m. Like, that makes sense in the Olympics. Like, there's early starts like that. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get to see them play a little bit. Um, Team USA, uh, how do you feel about <laughs> We were texting about this uh, the other day. Uh, JaVale McGee is on the Olympic team, but I can't think of a finer representative of this great country we call the United States. I just think he's going to be so good at that goal, international goaltending role, rule <laughs> where you could just take shots out of the basket pretty much and swat them away. Like he does yeah. that in the NBA, and he, there's always like those funny highlights of him like blocking a shot that's in the like in the cylinder repeatedly like he does it all the time so he's gonna I, I feel like he's gonna do it like that's gonna be the heat the the heat the team usa secret weapon just putting javel in there and just swatting away shots that are gonna go in um because he can do that in the international game so i mean i i, I wouldn't expect javel to play much <laughs> but i mean who knows right it's it's a 12-man roster if there's a couple injuries there aren't many centers on the team i mean i, I guess Bam oh yeah i was gonna say all jokes aside he's a really yeah. good fit 
Um, and we talked about the idea that Bam was going to have to be this more traditional center with this team because they didn't really have a traditional like rim protecting center. Um, JaVale is that on paper, and I'm not totally sold that he's not going to play a lot. I think he might get some some real run for this team. I mean, obviously he could be like terrible and then just not get on the court, but like if he does what this team is bringing him in for, I think he's going to have a role. Yeah, and especially that first game against France, um, going going up against Rudy Gobert, like you're going to need somebody to get <laughs> pick up some fouls against Rudy. And I mean, Bam is probably going to start on him if he starts the game, I would think. Um, but Javale is really the only other guy that could you could really match up with Rudy, right? I mean, what are you going to do with, with Jeremy Grant, with Draymond? Like you're going to need Javale to play some minutes probably in that game. It might be a matchups thing where if you need him, like he get he gets off the bench and plays a few minutes. But I I, I, can, I just see Team USA with the way they built this roster initially, they want to play small. I think yeah, and, that's and, true. And, and and very versatile guys. Like I, I can see Kevin Durant playing center at times. Draymond Green, obviously they've shown that Draymond's going to play center a good amount as well, um, and even Jeremy Grant. So if they can, I think they'll play small, which is why I think Bam might be the only true big that is in the consistent rotation, but I think against teams like France, um, you might see Javel in there. Yeah. Um, Keldon Johnson, any thoughts on him making, we, we, we thought for a minute there that Duncan was going to maybe make the team. Yeah. I mean, Keldon, it's a good story because he was, he's been part of that camp. Like they were, yeah. it's tough at this late stage just to bring somebody in there and expect him to be in shape and expect him just to pick things up really quickly after the team's been in camp for two weeks practicing. And we've seen the the rough patches they've been through as they've tried to learn to play together. And just to bring somebody in there, that, that would have been hard. So the transition's pretty seamless with, with Keldon because he's been part of that camp. He's been, he's, played, he's been in the rotation for the exhibition, so he's played with a lot of these guys now for a few games. Um, and he's been pretty good. Like the last game against Spain, he, I don't know, I think he scored like 15 points off the bench. Like he, he, he doesn't need the ball to make an impact. Um, but he's good defensively. He's tough. He's a big body and, and he can also make some shots if, if he's open. So I think that's, you know, I, I, that, that, that addition makes sense, uh, for this team, even though it's not a star in the NBA. But I guess, David, you wanted a young player right on this team. And I guess Kelvin's that guy. Yeah, I guess. Um, it is like, if if we win gold, this will be like and, and no disrespect to this team who has obviously like a lot of incredible players and I think the the finishing off in six, uh the Bucks finishing off the Suns in six is, is really good because um, you know, I think Chris Middleton, Devin Booker and Drew Holiday are gonna be three of this team's best players and, and most useful players. Um yeah. but like we're we're getting Keldon Johnson and JaVale McGee a gold medal. Like we we talk we 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 see this all the time where like uh, the Olympic team like starts like declining, declining, declining in talent level. Less fewer and fewer guys show up, and then they lose at some point. And then the next year, obviously, it was like the redeem team, and that team had all these guys, and then declines, 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 um, and. I'm not saying that this is a sign of the degradation of USA basketball toward another one of those uh, valleys, but um, I think I think it's coming at some point uh, because uh, you know this team is on paper I think better than the '04 team, even if Keldon Johnson and, and Javale McGee would have probably been the worst teams, worst guys on that '04 team. Um, but you know the international competition is getting better. 
Um, and, um, you know, Keldon Johnson, if I saw him playing for some other country, I'd be like, oh, that's pretty cool, Keldon Johnson. Uh, playing on Team USA, like, again, he's a good fit, but it's just not what we're used to with Team USA. No, but you could make the argument that this is kind of, I mean, this should have been the redeemed yeah, team. Yeah, maybe right? this Because is... after, after the World I mean, after the World Cup, I didn't even – I don't know, they came in like sixth place maybe or yeah, fifth they place. Did not medal. Yeah. They did not medal. Um so you know, there's been some motivation there to kind of get back obviously to at least medal. I mean the the expectation is always gold for Team USA. And yeah, I mean it's been interesting because Kelvin Johnson wouldn't be on this team probably if Bradley Beal did not get yeah, caught. And you true. can't plan for that, right? I mean, it's just a unique season where unexpected things are gonna happen and the fact that the season is basically like free agency is overlapping with the Olympics and the season is overlapped with camp for team USA. Like this is, this has never really happened before. So it's, it's been tough, but I think for the most part, like they've got, they've had have a good amount of stars on this roster, especially of Devin, like when Devin Booker, Chris Middleton and, and Drew Holiday get to, like you said, I would think all three of those guys will be in the rotation. I mean, Devin Booker might even start, right? Yeah. I mean, who, I wouldn't be surprised. So, and, yeah, they've been they've been in the middle of a grueling playoff run, but you could make the argument that they will be in better shape than the rest of the guys in the team because they've been part of a grueling playoff run for the past, you know, two three months uh, playing to, you know elite high level basketball. Um, so they should be just ready to go whenever you know when they get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of the Olympic team, uh, Damian Lillard obviously has been in the uh, in the news a lot uh, lately. Uh, reports that he's going to request a trade at some point. I, I, he's a guy who I think is going to be really affected, right? He's in the Olympics. It's not like they're going to trade him while he's there, right? Like, that seems insane, but maybe they will. Um, either way, uh, Kevin O'Connor from the Ringer reported the Heat are going to be one of the most aggressive suitors if and when he requests a trade. Um, not really a surprise. Um, I we still don't really know what if the Heat have the assets to land him, but... Um, I don't know. What, what did you make of that report? To me, it was just kind of, it was almost like a nothing. Like it was, I don't know. Like obviously, the Heat were going to be one of the most yeah. aggressive suitors, right? And you know, I, I, this is just me thinking. I, I wonder if this is one of my first thoughts after Giannis won the championship. I wonder if that empowers Dame a little bit. You know, to say I could do like he he's kind of in the Giannis mold where he wants to stay with one market, kind of a small market, and bring a championship there and prove it could be done. Kind of stubborn in that way, just like Giannis. Uh-huh. I, I wonder if this watching Giannis do that and have his moment, you know, with Milwaukee a, a year after losing in five games to in the second round. Like they, they were it wasn't even a series that was close. Like they made that they they made that improvement and that that you know they grew as a team very quickly to win a you know win a finals. Um I, I wonder if that empowers the to say I could I could I wanted to give this a shot. I want to try to to win in Portland and not you know not demand a trade. But yeah if he if he does eventually requests to be dealt like yeah the heat are obviously going to be interested like that's not surprising the heat are desperate for a third starter pair with bam and jimmy um and dame would be perfect i mean he'd be great he's kind of he's a, in that point guard role he could shoot one of the best scorers in the league compliments i think jimmy and dan, uh jimmy and bam very well um so obviously the, the question is how you know how could they get a deal done with not including jimmy and bam uh, for a guy who's one of the best players in the league and has four years left in his contract, like that's going to be very tough uh, to probably pull off just because there'll be so many other teams um, vying for Dame as well. Yeah, I always had sort of had this vision of Damian Lillard getting a Dirk-style championship late in his career, like he sticks it out, um, 
eventually they kind of put the right pieces around him. Um, you know, they get a couple breaks and, and he wins a championship. But obviously it had been a long time since we saw a Dirk style championship uh, before this Giannis thing, which is, is kind of sort of similar. Obviously Giannis is only 26 um, and, and they've been on the doorstep, I think more than those Mavs teams were, but, and more than certainly more than these Blazers teams have been. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's a good point. Like, I don't know if his mind was made up before last night. I don't know if that was going to change it. But if he was wavering one way or the other, um, maybe, like you said, maybe that that Bucks run is that little little jolt of inspiration. But of course, also, um, you know, he's in Tokyo with the Olympic team right now, and he's talking to NBA players, eating dinner uh, with them. All, all of whom would like uh, Damian Lillard to become their teammate uh, at the start of next season. So I, I think there's just a long way to go in the, the Lillard trade saga. I, like I said, I, it's really hard to imagine that he re- would request a trade, like, in a post-game press conference with, like, the Olympic team, right? Like From Tokyo, right. Yeah, like, it just seems like we're going to have to wait until after the Olympics are over for, for something to happen there. I mean, obviously, like, there can be, like, anonymous, you know, reports with anonymous sources and stuff like that, like the, what's going on behind the scenes, how the Blazers are feeling right now, how those close to Damian Lillard are feeling right now. But it's hard to imagine anything, like, truly happening until after the Olympics. Yeah, and he and you know Dame has leverage because he's Damian Lillard, and he he car- obviously he carries weight around this league. But he has four years. He's entering yeah, the first really year of extension. It's really tough. Like Portland could just say, I mean, that's tough. I know you want to trade, but we're not trading you unless we get an amazing offer. Like we're just not going to do it. I mean, even James Harden, you know, people were saying then like he didn't really have much leverage. But he had two years left on his deal. Dame is, has four years left, so I don't think this is going to happen. Like like you said, very quickly or in the near future like this is something that might get drawn out maybe over a year who knows if he if he does request a trade like it could take a while and again for the you know as it relates to the heat like if you're not including bam and jimmy in a trade for dame it's probably gonna be headlined by tyler i guess um you would hope that tyler stock goes up this season if he plays a little better but then even even then like for any team that's trading away one of the best players in the league they want picks the Heat really don't have any at this point. So it's just hard. You know, I, I'm sure the Heat are interested, but and they're very smart. In the, you know, they're very smart front office, and they're good with the cap and very creative. Um, it's just it would be a magic trick to pull pull this off and get Damian Lillard with no picks and by not including Bam and Jimmy, Bam or Jimmy in a deal. Yeah, the longer this drags out, the better for the Heat, I think, right? Sure. Like yeah, more, picks, more picks get unlocked. Yeah. Maybe Tyler can up his trade value a little bit. Um, maybe Precious has a good run in the Olympics and looks like he's going to be like a, a dude. Um, you know, they, they've got guys who are beyond Jimmy and Bam. Like all their assets, I think, could use a year to uh, to mature a little bit. Mature after yeah. after yeah. Uh, after this last season. For sure, I think I think that's a good point. I think the longer this gets drawn out, the better. For the Heat, and it would obviously help the Heat if like Damian Lillard came out and said, "Yeah, I want to go to Miami," you know, and, and yeah, really put the pressure on. That, that's the, yeah. the game changer. Yeah. Oh, that is always the game changer. Right, right. So you know, we'll see. It's obviously worth monitoring, but at this point, like you said, I don't think there's that's gonna you know, Dame is gonna be traded anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, let's wrap up with our weekly whale hunting segment. Uh, we have no good sound effect, but we should. Um, this week's whale is. 
Uh, I, I've lost track of all the guys we've talked about, so I'm not going to recap it like we've done in the past. I Still think Lillard has been, was one. Lillard I think Lillard was the one. Uh, that was why I was why he's not our whale this week because we don't believe in repeat whales. Um, this week's whale is Kyle Lowry, um, who is I kind of was surprised we hadn't talked about him, but I, I guess we have not um, in this segment because uh, he certainly seems like of the whales we have talked about, the one most likely to be playing for Miami next season. Yeah, I, I think that's. Spot on. I think he that's he's the most probably realistic option for he really making a quote unquote significant upgrade to the roster. Um, the the challenge is going to be, you know, if if it, do, it does come to the point of negotiate contract negotiations, and he could look. It's worth knowing that he could sign him outright with cap space if they decide to operate with cap space. I mean, they're going to have like twenty five million, twenty six million. Um, and cap space if they choose to go that route, but they can also acquire Kyle in a sign and trade if they operate as an over the cap team. Um, obviously, it takes Toronto cooperating and saying, "Okay, we want what you're going to give us," um, because they can always say, "No, I don't. We don't. We don't really want to help you out here." Um, so that it would take a little bit, you know, of help from Toronto. But the, the challenge will be in, in either situation, like just coming to terms with Kyle and, and finding the right middle ground on on a contract because. He's 35 years old. He's going to be 36 in March. You know, he's obviously in the back end of his career, still playing at a high level. Uh, but Kyle said earlier this offseason he wants years and money. And I just can't imagine the Heat committing to more than two years in any con- you know, any scenario for Kyle Lowry um, at this point. So it'll be that'll be interesting to see kind of how that works out because, you know, Kyle is still playing at a high level, but his age is a concern. Um, and the Heat have, you know, as we've seen in the past, they don't want to commit too long term to aging point guards. Um, so, uh, you know, that'll be something to, I think that will be uh, interesting to watch. Yeah, I, I've, I think I've made my position on, on Lowry pretty clear on this podcast over the last month, couple months. I, I don't, you know, you can't break the bank for him, I don't think. Like, he's just not, he's not putting you over the hump. As we talked about, the East is really good. Um, yeah. You know, Maybe you're going to catch a break, and maybe Lowry is it, obviously like he elevates you to a degree. But um, I don't know. Did the Heat are better? The Heat have higher aspirations in being the team that wants to like luck into a title. I think this team could luck into a title. You know, they arguably almost lucked into a title in the bubble. And yeah. I say lucked because by by that I mean like weird circumstances almost played out in their favor. They they ad- adapted to weird circumstances and almost won a title because of it. Um, I I think I, I don't think the dip, Lowry is the difference between as we talked about this Heat team can be the third best team in the East. I don't think Lowry vaults you into that top tier with with Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Um, but it makes but it but it makes but it gets it you closer and it makes it leave. so yeah. yeah and it makes it so that um an injury to the Nets maybe does vault you into that top tier. Um, but but again like. I don't know. I, I think I think you, you swing higher, you aim higher. I know it's hard. Like there's no no brainer target out there, but the 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 biggest thing I think we have learned from the NBA in the last five years. And again, like the NBA changes quickly, so maybe I'm wrong here, and maybe the league will change again um, after Giannis won a championship by staying in Milwaukee. But um, when there's not a superstar available, you can just wait, and there will be a superstar available soon. Yeah, and I guess to play devil's advocate here, like three of the Heat's biggest needs are 
I mean, he certainly is like yeah. a fit. Yeah, true point guard, three-point shooting, and point of attack defense, right? He he fits all of that. Um, he's also close to Jimmy. They have a relationship, so that's yeah. that's a plus. Hollinger brought up uh, – John Hollinger for the Athletic brought up this scenario that I thought was interesting, which I think is probably the more likely uh, route that he would take in acquiring Kyle, um, operating as an over-the-cap team and getting him in a sign-in trade. Um, if you could agree to a contract of like two years, $36 million, million or two, even two years, $40 million mm-hmm. with Kyle, and in the sign-in trade, you have to you know trade away basically Andre Rudala, who has an option in his contract. You'd have to pick up that option to include him in a deal. And then Precious and KZ to make the math work and, and give Toronto two young uh, assets with some potential. Would you do that if you're the Heat? Yeah, I think I think that I could be talked into that, right? I, I think I don't know what the what the ramifications would be for the rest of the cap. Like I don't know if you want to go into the next two years with, um, and obviously that team, yeah, you would still be able to bring back Duncan and, and have right. Tyler in the fold. So that there's a pretty good. Um, starting five or, or whatever we're going to call it, t- finishing five. Um, but I also don't know if you want to be stuck. Uh, stuck is not the right word to use, but I don't know if you want to be locked in to Bam, Jimmy, and Kyle Lowry if, like, a Bradley Beal is going to become available. Um, it would be for two years. Some other start. Be- yeah. So, obviously, that um, – the the two years is, is appealing and it gives you that flexibility, but at the same time, like we don't know what Jimmy's going to be like in two years. Um, you know, if he's going to still be the same player, obviously he's getting up there. Um, so in some ways, it makes sense because it would it fits with like your window, right? Like, and if and if you really think that that's it, like you that that Bradley Beal is not in a rush to get out of DC, if you think that the Blazers are going to hang on to Lillard, um, you know, if you don't want any part of Ben Simmons, and I wouldn't blame them for that. Um, then it would probably make sense, but uh, again, I just like I, I I do I just wonder does how close how much closer does Lowry get you to a championship? And and maybe I'll be dead wrong because I think we you know we felt the same way about Chris Paul when we were talking about it um, two years ago, and there there were rumors that he was going to be in Miami, and and Kyle Lowry is nowhere he's not in the same stratosphere as Chris Paul. But obviously the that's the whatever team is bringing in Kyle Lowry this offseason is going to be hoping. For that same blueprint, I think. Obviously, you know, it seems like Lowry's going to go to more established, a more established contender, whether that is staying in Toronto or go to a team like Miami or whatever. Um, but obviously, that's the blueprint you're looking for, and it gets you closer. Like I said, I just don't know if it gets you there. Yeah, no, that's, that's a fair point. I don't think it gets you there either. I don't even think the Heat would think. It would get right, there. I guess that's yeah. true. Right. So but they, they, it makes they them, have to know that there's another move after. Yeah, that. it makes them better. And, and and that's in that scenario where you don't have to give up Tyler. You still have Tyler as an asset that you could use in a trade. Um, Kyle as, on an expiring deal in a year, you know, worth $20 million is flippable, I think, right, if, yeah. if he needs to be. Um, and at that point, you might have some picks that are unlocked because if you convey the 2023 pick to – Oklahoma City, all of a sudden, all those protected picks, they're not protected anymore because you already dealt the pick. Um, so I, I would do it only because you're able to keep Tyler as a guy that you have in your roster that is, in, you know, an attractive asset to teams. It could be an attractive asset to teams. And yeah. then Kyle, you know, two years isn't bad, I would say. He might want more years. And if he wants three or four years, then obviously that's a different yeah, conversation. Yeah. But I think two years, maybe they, maybe both sides agree to that. Um 
if if indeed Kyle wants to leave uh, Toronto. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, I, I think obviously if he goes to three or four years, you're out. But I, I think that two year, um, that two year potential with the idea that you still got Tyler to make to use as a trade ship. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there's there's definitely some merit to that, and um, like I said, I just think this is of all the guys we've talked about, clearly the one who's most likely to be in Miami this year. Um, I, who knows if they'll change the roster at all? But if they change the roster with a big splash, uh, we're all going to be talking ourselves into Kyle Lowry pretty quickly. So um, I think we can wrap things up there. Uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Uh, he'll have all your Olympic basketball coverage come in. Over the next few weeks, uh, with all the Heat guys out in Tokyo, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at dbwilson2. Um, I've been on the road with with the Marlins this week, so if you want to read about the Marlins and how their season is kind of falling apart while I've been on the road with them, uh, you can check that out at miamiherald.com. Uh, but uh, until next week, uh, Anthony, uh, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll uh, talk to you guys next week. Bye.